All right, so we going to do this? Yeah, I guess so. Harassment? Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking to me? <laughs> what do you mean? What, the, what do you got that girly-looking shirt on for Wait, today, man? What do you mean I look good when I bend over? <laughs> That's harassment. Who's, who's, The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. gonna do this yeah i guess so harassment yeah yeah are you talking to me what what do you got that girly looking shirt on for today what do you mean i look good when i bend over (laughs) (laughs) that's harassment whose glasses are those your sisters it's a different did you get those from your sister Uh, nice uh nice mustache mom your mom show you how to grow that what are you 12 Nice mustache for a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little bit different kind of harassment. You know, the, the the funny thing is, is as I'm trying to look and get some more, you know, information and resources for, for doing this, if you type up harassment. Oh, come on. Uh, in this day and age? Uh, and this, it, all it is is sexual yeah. and workplace harassment. Yes. It's the only thing you can find... Because I, I don't, the term has changed over the decades. Oh well, yeah, it's been uh, hijacked. I mean, it's not, it's just we have a, a different kind of society. <laughs> Everybody's a victim. Everything's harassment now. It's insane. But I digress. The yeah, if you want to learn about harassment, I don't think that's the correct word to type into a Google search at this uh, point in time. No, I'm pretty sure I got red flagged. <laughs> you didn't write how do, how to, and uh, harassment. Wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Oh, there's a knock on my front Uh-oh, door. Hang on. It's a politically correct police. I, I got three guys in suits standing on my front porch Were you with a clipboard. Were you ever harassed as a kid? I mean, like the, in my when I grew up, especially where I grew up, I mean, it, there were just, uh, you know, bullies and fights and bullshit everywhere everybody was always oh, yeah, being harassed yeah. if you were a decent kid not a bully you got harassed and occasionally a decent kid would beat the shit out of a bully occasionally it was it was right rude. yeah uh, but the harassment was there when you when you look stuff up so you know just looking at the d- dictionary definition of it it says aggressive pressure or intimidation and when you look at you know the the Wikipedia statement basically says it's harassment covers a wide range of behaviors of an offensive nature. It is commonly understood as 
behavior that demeans, humiliates, or embarrasses a person. And Wikipedia's got all different types of all different types of <laughs> harassment. You know the you know police harassment. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And racial harassment and sexual harassment and workplace you harassment. You know the funny thing is, isn't it just harassment? Ah, but there's also electronic harassment. Still just harassment. <laughs> and landlord harassment. Oh, well, I've been doing that. I'm kidding. Psychological harassment. Now, psychological, they say this is humiliating, intimidating, or abusive behavior, which is often difficult to detect, leaving no evidence other than the victim reports or complaints. Not like that good old physical abuse, these <laughs> bruises and bloody nose on the, on the victim, you know? Yeah. Uh, this characteristically lowers a person's self-esteem or causes one to have an overwhelming torment. Or it teaches you not to put up with shit. One well, the there's other. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not for like bullying people and harassing people, but I'm also not for everything's fucking harassment. Well, we're not talking about that kind of harassment today. We're talking about the good kind? The good old kind of harassment. Oh, is there a good kind? Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Great Dive Harassment podcast. <laughs> we'll have uh, lawyers' numbers available after this. <laughs> you're you're here with um, harassment, humiliating <laughs> Jamesy and, and offensive Rando. Oh, I'm definitely your name's not too far off the mark. I guess eh? I'm offended. Badgering Brando. How about badgering Brando? Badgering Brando and pestering Jamesy. We need. What a jilting, no. And we're going to talk about old school, underwater, what was called back then harassment training. Was it harassment? I mean, by these definitions? Well, you know what? If, if you look up, and I did, uh, like the Navy harassment training, like you'll actually get some videos of what the Navy's doing in like BUDS training and, and their, their little special warfare unit training. When they're in the pool... They're beating the living shit out of these guys. With uh, with what? Bats? Fists? What? But, I mean, I mean, they're ripping all their equipment off of them, shaking the hell out of them, nearly giving them whiplash, hitting them in the back, like beating them with fins underwater, kicking them in the head, ripping regulators out, shutting air off. And that sounds like a regular open water class. Uh to, to the like innocent water, to yeah. the innocent guy that just swims near them. <laughs> yeah. ah. That sounds like what what happens uh, to the instructor at Imaster when the the whole class tries to leap off the platform <laughs> and is just <laughs> kicking and flailing and arm swimming. And in a way, it's very accurate training. You know, in in those videos, if you watch any of the Navy videos, I mean they're uh, they're basically taking away all these guys' resources, shaking them around, you know, trying to give them a little bit of disorientation, vertigo, so they don't know what side's up, what side's down. Do they have enough composure to basically mentally stay calm, get their gear back in a working order? And they've got, you know, they work a two-pronged approach with, with the, uh, the instructional team with there is one of the instructors that is, doing the harassment and then one of them's on scuba 
ready to shove a regulator in in the mouth as soon as they say, "I'm out." Oh yeah. Well, you you know I need help, and then they're they're scoring them on, you know, struggled but stayed calm, got panicky, you know, and stuff like that. They're trying to see like where they're at and evaluate and. Like you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we tried to start this article, that a lot of it's there, you know, to simulate, uh, simulate, you know, just getting beat up going through, you know, surf entries and exits and, you know, being able to keep your head. When shit hits Just the because of, yeah. Yeah, well, that that is kind of the goal. Uh, you know, it's a two, again, there's a, there's a two dual purpose to it. It builds confidence. That you can handle pretty much whatever's thrown at you. you. You've proven it to a certain degree. That's why you don't just, like, read shit, okay, and then go, okay, I got it. No, you have to experience a little bit. And to do it under direction and supervision of a, a trained instructor and safety personnel in the area, so you have a safety net, so if you do panic or if something does go wrong, you're being handled. Things aren't going to go super south, right? Wait, are you saying that just from me reading <laughs> Bruce Lee's <laughs> principles of Jeet Kuno, there's a good chance I might get my ass kicked? Yes. Doing a step-by-step tutorial of how to change a tire, mm-hmm. you know, where you can go, put car in park. Pause. Okay. Go <laughs> the, put the car in park. Okay. Uh, get back out of car. Okay. Pause. <laughs> get out of car. You know, and, and go through and change your tire. Yeah. Is different than saying that you watched a how to change a tire and it, on the fly I'm going to join a pit crew in the in the Daytona 500 yeah. and, and change a tire like right now. Yeah, the, well, it, the circumstances are completely different. But also, you know, something like changing a tire or a, a pretty straightforward, these are di- the directions, this is how you do it, go ahead and do it, is a, is completely different than something like scuba diving or you, we could say rock climbing or parachuting or any of these adventure sports that have a little risk to uh, and consequences, severe consequences if you don't keep your head when shit hits the fan because it's real easy to lose your mind when you're struggling to breathe okay it's real easy to to, for that that uh focus to narrow down and all you see is i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i have to get out of here so that has to kind of be trained out of you or, right. or at least experienced, right? So you can see how your reaction is and what you do right and what you do wrong and and change accordingly, you know? Yeah, and that's what the harassment is designed to do. Right. That's exactly it. And if you watch and if you watch these Navy dive school videos, there's nobody that's saying this should be part of the open water class agreed any like any of this stuff that's that's not that's not where i'm going i know that's not where you're going anyone who's an advocate of it now even though you know 40 years ago it was a version it was a little yeah yeah there was a version of it uh but i i think what we've learned over over the decades is one it got way too easy 
and and all of this was taking out of it because there was right. a fear of whoa 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 we don't want to turn anybody off we we need to teach everybody in the world how to scuba dive if if we want to be you know a, a big whole, multi whole, billion yeah. dollar business okay you said it I was going to say if we want to be and I was I wanted to to finish your sentence there if we want to be greedy pricks and get everyone's money everyone whether they should be diving or not whether they drown diving or they don't drown they have a near death or whatever we need all their money we need their money not anybody else we do right and then that problem was that letting everybody go is people were getting cards that really didn't have really? a solid train like well <laughs> really? they got they got good they got good training but it was so it's so sugar coated that there's not a thought in the world that something could really go wrong and if something does you could just go come from the land of the ice and snow <laughs> thankfully they listen to the to great the dive podcast and uh yeah there's gonna be like uh you know mermaid floating at the surface with with you to you know hand you a mimosa cocktail yes. and yeah exactly well, yes. It's a, it's a, that's a fairy tale world. It ill prepares you for reality if you are not <laughs> very aware of the consequences of not handling various little emergencies underwater. And the other thing about being underwater is it's completely unpredictable, right? It's not um, guaranteed you're always going to have the same place you're diving a or the same type of diving you've been trained in you don't know what you can run into down there um things happen or you're you know even your partner can have issues and now you the diver who's never had to deal with any issues are in and full like what the fuck is this mode yeah and yeah i mean the same exact dive site you know the same exact place there's so many variables underwater that could take place that, that even the same dive could be a completely different dive on any given different day. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that I think but you and I both agree that the mainstream fast food approach to instruction of scuba diving and certification of scuba diving ill prepares the open water for the reality of diving in, in some circumstances. You know, again, we we reiterate here, 30 feet max kind of is where you should be out of an open water class. At at the current way they train, at the current way they train. Following the the dive master, you know, in a group with with supervision on the surface as well. You know, it's... That's the that is the reality of it. The problem that you and I always come back to is they sell that student the idea that they're way right. more trained than they really are. You're certified for life, right? You're certified yeah. for life. That's why you see recreational limit, 130 feet. And the uh, the other thing is, you know, the bailout, the the go to solution is to go to the surface and f- fix whatever problem you got. That's their go to solution. You can always just go to the surface, you, whether right. whether you do a controlled emergency swimming ascent or you full out blow and go and blow your weights, whichever nonsense you decide to choose as your way out of your predicament, you have that. And yeah, thirty feet probably okay. It's not a not a huge deal, but if they start stretching it because hey, they're rec- they do recreational they certified, do. yeah. 
shoot 100 feet and they do and it's it's utterly ridiculous it's unsafe it's not it only covers uh, the legal aspect like we taught them how to get to air it's like I, I don't if if we you and I took a rock climbing class. I, w- I wonder if there would be a bailout. Like, you could always just jump back to the bottom. <laughs> just go to the bottom. Fix fix your knots. Fix. <laughs> Things get out of control. Just go to the bottom. I, I don't know what their bailout uh, is. Yeah. All the way to the bottom. Yeah, I I'm trying to equate it, or at least you know have an analogy to another activity where they have such a a philosophy or such an approach to their training is like, yeah, you can always just go to the surface. I don't know. You and I don't operate that way. No, no. Okay, so 1972. Great year. C. Edward Pemberton Jr., aquatics coordinator at the uh, University of North Carolina at Charlotte. He was a professional scuba educator. Where's Tom work? He's in, is he at UNC? Yeah, I think that's where he's at. Maybe Tom knows. This is, uh, I think, far before Tom was even a thought. <laughs> Maybe Tom's read about it. <laughs> but he's uh, one of the instructors and water safety trainers. And This was 1972. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he wrote this article for Skin Diver. About harassment training. Do you know? uh, uh, We started to get into this a couple of weeks ago and got sidetracked. hmm. And so now we're finally coming back to it. So we'll start back from the beginning of this. Well, hold on. Do you uh, let's set the stage a little bit. You know, it's it's 1972. What's going on in the world? I mean, I think we we still have some Vietnam going on. Right. We have. uh, We do. We have a lot of uh, social unrest, much like we do today. Uh, you know, with demonstrations and uh, the hippie movement and LSD and all kinds of great stuff going on. What were the good songs back then? You, How old were you, James? How old were you? 1972. I, I was uh, I was three years from being born. Oh, so you were you were a I wasn't thought. even around yet. You were a thought. So there's some great songs that came out in 72. Todd Rundgren, I saw the light. You remember Todd Rundgren? Rundgren, one of the most successful music producers and, and music artists of all time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he was big, and Elton John was big. Rocket Man, 1972. Anyway, great Dude. time. Doctor Hook in the medicine uh, show. Do you like Doctor Hook? Cover of the never ro- heard of the, never heard cover of. of the Rolling Stone. Oh, that Dr. That's Hook. fucking Dr. How Hook. Could I their whole their whole repertoire of music is incredible. They were hilarious, they were talented, they were great. Yeah, anyway, Sylvia's mother, Dr. Hook, was up there. It's so nice to be with you. You remember that one? Come on. Roberta Flack. It's the first time I ever I saw your face. That's our song, man. <laughs> anyway, kind of that's the time. That's my era of music. That's what we play around this house. Turn off that goddamn... Now, I, now <laughs> I'm starting to understand. You could, you could be putting on an old Stooges record, but instead you got, uh, you're putting in Roberta Flack. I love me some Roberta Flack. All right, everybody. So 
old C. Edward Pemberton Jr. says that harassment is a phase of scuba training that is commonly conducted after all formal instruction and practice have been completed. That's one, that's one part of a misconception with harassment training, mm-hmm. that it was just right from the get-go. Yes, it was just a, it's a section. You don't get like, uh, hey, welcome to Navy Dive School. You cocksuckers, drop down, give me 25, and banging on the back of their heads with the scuba tank. No, first you got to learn how to scuba dive. And then they do that. Right. Harassment has been reportedly carried out in many ways, some of which are, one, inverting the diver, pulling off his face mask, pulling out his regulator, and then cutting off his air. Two, sticking pins in the student's arms and legs. Remember, we uh, talked about that. (laughs) Now, now, we did talk about it, and I think both you and I were like, well, there's got to be some kind of, like, reasoning to the choice of the particular harassment technique, right? What is the pins, other than, like, I want to... I want to hurt this. You never guy. know when you're going to be a <laughs> Navy diver being attacked by urchins. I was going to say they just throw themselves at you as you're, you're swimming along. Yeah. Return of the attack of the space urchins. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? That's, a, that's my favorite. 19, 1972. <laughs> it was uh, number seven on the. Uh, it was an Ed Wood flick. Billboard. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Wood. There you go. Removing regulator from tank while underwater. And four, dropping the student's weight belt and pulling the CO2 cartridge. So the things you've mentioned, removing the tank, happens to this day. It, it happens. Drops out of people's bands. Um, weight belt. People lose weight belts. They lose weights out of their, their pockets, too. They're, they're uh, included pockets. All the time. Yeah. All the time. You know how many people come and uh, buy replacement weight pockets? Exactly. I've found they several. I've got a little They do it all the time. Yeah, you can go to any training location, and right at the very bottom, like if you need weight, all you got to do is tell <laughs> your buddy, hey, go right to the bottom of where everybody jumps uh-huh. in and go grab me eight pounds, because you know there's at, at least 800 down there. 8,000. Yeah. I mean, those are practical um, situations you can find yourself in that, thankfully, yeah. you know, if you learn how to deal with them in a controlled manner with a trained instructor and a safety personnel, you're that much I mean, better prepared when it happens. I mean, as an ins- instructor, how many times have you been kicked in the face by a student? Never. <laughs> and by never, I mean a million times. Right. I Like, I know when the student's like, approaching me approaching me and they're like oh they don't have that backwards kick down yet so they got to do the turnaround i've got i've got <laughs> the, my forearm <laughs> up because i know i know the the kick uh-huh. to my face is coming right it's just you're doing the wax on wax off uh, yeah <laughs> right because you know what's coming yeah those are our pretty practical um applications of quote-unquote harassment and i mean losing your how mask. many times have how many times have you seen a a bcd inflator stick Exactly. You know, and to this day, I mean, I've seen it happen recently, and it. what I find is, okay, so you, you, you know you train for this in your open water class. It's part of the standards. The proper response 
is you disconnect your LP inflator hose. Never see people do it. Never see people do it. Well, you they do it standing up. Well, yeah, when they while were they're trained. talking while they're talking to their instructor in training. Hey, disconnect your inflator hose. Remember, you got to pull it back. But it's never done underwater on the fly because of a necessity. Right. When it happens, it's a little startling. You're like, what the fuck? And you're, you can't oh, control your buoyancy. Uh, yeah. It happened to me, you know, uh, this year under the ice. Yes. Mine froze. Yeah, it's pretty common in the cold water, it happened. isn't it? It, it does happen, yeah. And, I mean, it, you know, especially under the ice, that can be a little unnerving and, and dangerous depending on what's going on. But, yeah, the, again. The, yeah, well, I, 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 d- I didn't say... Boy, this is really fun and convenient. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what was going through exactly. my mind. Exactly. But, you know, shit happens. It does. And it's not like, okay, I went down and I was completely uh, prepared or I was com- I completely planned for my inflator to stick, you know, for my BC. Right. I got, the, I got that text message yesterday <laughs> as a reminder alert. So when it happens. <laughs> Don't forget tomorrow. Right. 42 feet. Yeah, I've never seen. Out of, out of reply, reply C to confirm. <laughs> I don't see uh, newer divers, especially, uh, removing their LP inflator hose, disconnecting it from their BCD inflator. I just don't see it when it happens. They do everything else, flail, try to kick down, and, and that's the other thing they try to do. They go completely inverted and try to keep kicking down. And they're in a regular recreational jacket. As, as they're trying to dump yes, from the inflator that's out. now at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So all the gas is up at the at the butt of the BC. Yeah. It's funny how, how the training and thought and reasoning and logic go out the fucking door. And when something as minuscule. Wait, because they've only done it one and a half times to, to three? Thank you. <laughs> I, you. You complete my senses for me. This is... <laughs> I mean, this is a, a. I think this is a pretty good criticism of the training programs. If you're not prepared, you really aren't prepared. That's not mastery. You don't have it mastered. Okay. <laughs> the instructor's judgment of the students' reactions also falls into one of several categories. Either the performance is acceptable, is unacceptable, and has no place in a diving course. Or it is a questionable practice because it appears that there is at least some danger of injury to the diver from some harassment techniques. There is a need to critique the reasons for including harassment in training courses. If the reasons justify the inclusion of of harassment, it seems that it would be a good idea to evolve criteria for harassment. Yeah. So I think what, what he's saying there is... Listen, even the instructor needs to be properly trained. Like, you just can't have anybody that don't, doesn't know what they're doing just ripping off masks and shutting off air. I mean, that's a surefire way to injure, if not kill, a student. A student and instructor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because a yeah. panicked student can take an instructor down, you know, if they're not prepared, if they're not trained correctly. And in your 120 dives that you have under your belt as a newly minted instructor. Um, Isn't, for fuck's sake, you're not ready. I don't care who you are. Not not for 
harassment training whatsoever. No yeah, way. Yeah, not for a panic diver like that. Yeah. Now he says, before qualifying the need for harassment, we need to ascertain or describe the desired results of our instructional programs. Two general schools of thought are, one, the student who has a diving certificate should be able to do every type of diving the day after graduation, including wreck diving, cave diving, and ice diving. Uh, or, oh, hang, hang on, hang on. <laughs> or two, a student upon completion of the course will have a basic knowledge of scuba diving and should dive with experienced divers in protected areas, quarries and pools, until he has gained a great deal more experience. Very good. Yeah, who said number one? Does anyone really believe that number one option? Does anybody really approach diving like that? Like you would you would receive all your training and now you're pretty much good to go with anything. I, I don't. This is a, an exaggeration of yeah. that. But again, we talked earlier about so many divers, they get that open water card and they're like, yeah. I'm good to 60 feet, but I can really go to 130. Yeah. You know, I, I got to do this silly advanced class, but. You know, the whole group's in 80, 90 feet. I'm just going to follow along. I'm not going to stay at the top of the reef. I'm going to go well, of drop down to 100. And, you know, the dive master's right there if anything goes wrong. And, again, that mentality is what I keep coming back to is that's why you are trained for 30 feet to follow a dive master because in the back of your mind is there is safety. Just stay with that guy. Yeah, and I think the uh, the dive industry kind of feeds this. I agree. Especially knowing, so the diving is super forgiving, okay? It, there's a lot of people that should be dead, that should have won Darwin Awards, that dive. You know, they have basic open water certs, and they're, they're down at 200 feet on single 80s. And, you know, they do this stupid shit, and they live. So as we've talked, you know, about Gareth's work, too, with that normalization of, of deviance, so now that's the bar for them. They're like, I'm good to 200 on, a, on an 80. I did it before. Well, nothing happened, fortunately, and you, you survived. But God forbid there's a hiccup anywhere. I, I would go you know, out on a limb and say, you're probably not coming back from that dive. I would agree. You know, it just, it just because you get lucky. That's it. And just because you get lucky and you complete the dive and, and nothing goes wrong is not a way to look at doing a dive like that. And that was the purpose of what harassment training was, was to show you that when you're at the limit of your resources, don't forget, you still got to get everybody home. Right. So have you done the proper training? Have you done the proper planning to have everything go bad and still have the resources able to be appointed where they need to go so that we can get the team home. Yeah, that's always the uh, the approach to diving that that I share, that I, I know you share. Is, you know, you look at diving like, what do I need at my furthest, deepest point of the dive to get two people home safely should all hell break loose? Should I, you know, run into extreme circumstances? Yeah. And that, that's basically the, the way we start every dive. Yeah, yeah. Every dive. 
every dive you and I do is, is that is the, the the first conversation. What do we need when everything goes bad? At the worst possible time. Yeah, you know it's Murphy. We always have Murphy with us, and I know you know. Yeah, it's it's not, you know. How much air do we need to have in our tank when uh, we run out of air on our safety stop? Or how much air do you know, I have to have on, on the boat when I get back, you know, which the dive master right. said 500. Yeah, no, it's when you're at the deepest, darkest, furthest spot from home. What do we need to get back? Exactly. Alive and comfortably get back, you know. <laughs> yeah, not not just... Barely. I made it to the surface because I went too fast, <laughs> exactly. and now we're both bent, and you've got an embolism. Yeah, yeah. I made it to the surface. I have surface <laughs> air. Now I can be medevac to a chamber, and hopefully, I live. Yeah, that's not that's not what I yeah, call a successful dive. No, no, no. You're not better off. No. <laughs> he says, in deciding what the final result will be, we must consider the makeup of the student. Classes will contain. If she has like uh, really good mascara on, well, yeah, you're not going to ask her to flutter mask. <laughs> if she's if she's got her consider if, her if makeup. She's got that really pretty eyeshadow, and she's got the, the 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 fake lashes. Okay, in deciding, in deciding what the final result will be, one third we prize. must consider the makeup James. of the, the student. Okay, so here we go. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Classes will contain high school students. College professors, truck drivers, secretaries, physicians, laborers, housewives, college students, and others. What about uh, sprinkler system they'll, technicians? <laughs> sprinkler those system will be technicians? In there too. Yes. <laughs> Might be teaching you. So basically, what he's saying here is that students in a scuba program today in 1972 are not all. 19-year-old men in great physical shape going through Navy dive school, right? It's like we're, we have this program now for small people, big people, uh, people who are used to working, you know, laborious with their hands, people who sit behind a desk all day, uh, kids, uh, grandparents, yeah. you know, like you, you got all these different people that are wanting to learn to scuba dive to go on vacation and so it's different from, you know, what he was saying a minute ago about, you know, the student who leaves a program of Navy dive school over the course of months and months and months of training, you know, might they be ready to do shipwreck diving and cave diving and uh, deep diving and every kind of diving because they went through an intense schooling for, you know, months all day every day versus a weekend scuba class. So he says the goals and the capabilities of the student should be taken into consideration. It is unreasonable to expect every student who completes a course to be ready for an 85-foot ocean wreck dive on his first dive after only one or two open water dives that may have consisted of going 40 feet deep into a quarry for perhaps 20 minutes. Holy shit. The amount of time needed for a person to progress to an advanced dive will vary considerably from person to person. Some learn quickly, while others do not. 
It is unadvisable to make a course so rigid that we lose sight of the fact that it is a basic course and that the student will need to learn more after certification. Mm -hmm. He says, taking all the above into consideration, I assume that the final result will be a safe diver who will have the knowledge and experience from which to attain more knowledge and experience that will enable him to participate in more advanced aspects of diving. Two objectives of harassment are, one, he says, to test the ability of the student to cope with different developments which may occur while he is scuba diving, and two, to help the student gain confidence to react safely in an emergency. Well, there you go. So training you for an actual situation that could and, and does commonly happen, and to give you confidence. Isn't that what we've been saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean that you go down and, you know, you, you turn the diver's air off, rip their mask oh. off their face, unclip their BCD, um, you know, snap their tank out of their uh, tank strap, pull a fin off, punch them in the back yeah. of the head, you know, stab them, stab them in the spleen with a dive knife. <laughs> I hate when you know, that happens. Not entirely off the table, but I hate when it happens, yeah. But for a basic open water diver, you know, they should know what it's like to lose a mask, mm-hmm. you know, w- without being asked, and be able to, you know, put their mask back on and, and clear it. That's a pretty simple, likely, simple and pretty likely thing to occur on a dive. I don't think that's asking too much, right? And as the diver grows in ability and the diver grows in training, the complexity of, of you know, what they're calling here harassment, like what we call, you know, just intensity training, you know, incorporating that law of intensity into the, into the, the, the practice becomes more and more, you know. So, you know, swimming around in the pool and uh, losing a mask is different from being out in open water and losing a mask. Yeah, at 130 right? There's a level feet, of complexity. Yeah. yeah, losing a mask in 20 feet of water just above the bottom is way different than losing the mask in 130 feet of water while you're actually in 500 feet of water. <laughs> you know, it's a totally it's a totally different level yeah. of complexity to the skill, right? So you've got level one skills level two skills level three skills and you don't give somebody who's at level one a level three right intensity of a skill and and doing a mass clear while you're you know on a on a line because you had to blow a marker bag now that mass skill is complex because you're adding additional things in so that's where this is not a level of training that just any instructor should try to incorporate you need to be working with an instructor trainer who's who can teach you how to think through this so that you're actually doing it for the better good of the divers. Yeah, not to mention, James. Not just to beat them up underwater for your ego. Right. For your ego, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to comment on is not to mention the the makeup, the psychological makeup of the instructor can't be a psychopath, cannot be (laughs) someone that likes to hurt people. Okay, that likes to see people struggle, that take gets uh, some kind of power trip out of it. So you have that, the losing your mask too, James, completely different in reality than how you're trained in open water. And I 
always think of when losing a mask, I think of like even the quarry down at the bottom. Okay, so you jump in the water, it's 70 whatever degrees at the surface. You go down the bottom, it's 39. Now, if you've ever had to breathe without a mask in 30-ish degree water, uh, the initial water on it your face, takes your breath. It does. It it changes your breathing pattern. It, it it's involuntary. I mean, it just sucks the air out of your chest. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. Uh, and then not to mention when you lose that mind, one of the things that people do is they psychologically mm-hmm. fall back to their subconscious pattern of inhaling through their nose. Right. Oh, yeah. They can't catch their breath, so they start breathing faster at depth. Every, it's that snowball, that snowball. And that's where I think, you know, it's great training to to – be able to take your mask off at 130 feet and put it back on and clear it when that water's 39. I mean, if you're diving, if you're getting a certification that says you can dive 130 feet in cold water, I would say you damn well better be comfortable right. with that. Just be careful. You know, where's the, I mean, there's so many people in the industry over the last couple of decades that have said, well, we're just not going to tell them anything about having you might have to clear your mask in 130 feet of 39 degree water we're just going to hope that that never happens exactly. and it doesn't happen very often <laughs> thankfully thankfully well not thankfully, everybody's doing doesn't. that kind of diving and i mean not that that's super difficult diving it's just that the majority of people going through the classes the majority of certified divers don't pursue diving for any length of time they do it maybe once or twice a year in the beginning and then they leave and we lose them okay so then give them a certification for that right that exp- that expires after a year or two that limits them to 30 feet of water they've got to be holding the dive masters and sure if, if that was the case i'd have no problem with it go for it oh you'd save a lot of yeah, lives to- you'd save lives there yeah, yeah. it's yeah. crazy and but that's but that's not what's happening as we know it's yeah. it's a certification for life it is. Um, you can immediately go rent takes and go as deep as you want because, you know, you don't have to be with anybody. Mm-hmm. So you've got a card that lets you dive way beyond your training it's marketing. Experience. That's, that's yeah, the problem. That's a fucking marketing thing. That's what people wanted. You know, they saw the value in I don't ever have to go back and I can, I can dive wherever I want within this very wide limit, right, this very wide range of diving. Every element of a harassing exercise should relate to or fulfill one of those two objectives, right? Yeah. Test the ability for the student to cope with different developments and uh, help them gain confidence. Well, the gain confidence is, I mean, that's kind of a catch-all, which so I think you, you might have to even be tighter with those, those, in my opinion, because you could say, I did, I, I fucking you know, cut him out of his dry suit underwater so he gained confidence. I'm like, well, come on. Right. I, Ridiculous. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a limit to that gaining confidence thing. So you Yep, yeah. Again, yeah. that's why you need to you, it's not just I've I've got my open water instructor card. Yeah. I'm gonna start harassment training my students. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Some basic ground rules for ensuring that the exercise will help meet those objectives are, one, be safety conscious. Plus, if an instructor does something to a student, he should assure the safety of that student. 
For example, if an instructor turns the air off, he must take appropriate action if the student panics and swims for the surface without exhaling. Two, every stunt should relate to a possible diving accident. For example, turning off the air simulates going on reserve. A blacked-out face mask simulates diving in near-zero visibility. Let me ask you something, James. Not to interrupt yeah. you, but I, I do have to interrupt. The, the turning off the gas thing, I, I don't know. I don't see a lot of um, point behind it. Do you, have you ever or even heard of, like, I'm breathing, 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 <gasps> I got nothing? I, I do get the low on air because you start to feel the resistance, but you have to be aware you know, um, so I don't know. Is there a way to simulate that versus you just shut off the air? Because that's not reality in in ex- my experience or even stories that I've read. I, you just well, don't hear uh, so uh, so again, it's it's something that in overhead training more, makes more sense, right? That's why you start to see that oh, there, yeah. where you could have a left post that right, rolls off, roll off while you're breathing off of a off of a necklace. That's practical in that, I, yeah. but again, so that's where that's where you, the instructor needs to be trained. Yes, how to teach this way from an agency that that knows how to incorporate this, and there's few of them out there that that do. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you can't put someone with a hundred dives under the belt through through training that will encompass how to handle a, a diver that's panicked from your uh, uh, your quote unquote quote harassment training. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. I mean, I mean, most instructors that are teaching a class of eight students on a platform, like they are ill prepared and out of position <laughs> for one of the one of their students to to probably have a real issue. You know, if it's not the one that they're directly in front of at that moment. Oh yeah, right. So let alone trying to incorporate an, an out of air. Into the into the mix, mm-hmm. forget about forget it. About forget it. about it. Forget that's, about it. That's I'd like to read that lawsuit. <laughs> that's not going to be that's not going to be a pretty one. No, it's just thankful that none of that crap happens. It, it, that's all. Number three says each stunt must have some measure of success attainable. To force a person to failure may cause him to lose faith in himself and panic when a simple emergency is presented. We could think of stunts that would make even Jacques Cousteau bolt for the surface. But would we be fulfilling our objectives, right? And that's, again, that's the law of effect, right? You've got, when you're trying to do this, you're trying to put this into a situation where you're building their confidence because they're getting a good, pleasurable, confident, good decision-making reward subconsciously. That's what's called good instruction. I mean, you, if your whole point of your class as an instructor is to uh, put people to the, at at their breaking point, and then that's it. I mean, you're you're missing the point of teaching, right? You are you sharing right. the underwater world and and what can be available and and how to handle it and how to be prepared. I don't think you're sharing that. I think you're personally trying to satisfy an inner need to dominate someone to the point of right i'm better than you watch i'll turn i'll I'll just make you cry under here if the last thing that you add to your stunts is 
emptying your external <laughs> discharge valve on top of them as they're just flailing. Yeah, you, you're you're probably an asshole instructor, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever known anybody to do that? <laughs> Number four, he says, do not be over aggressive toward a confident or cocky student who seemingly thinks that he knows it all. To teach him a lesson may just break his confidence in himself and cause nervous apprehension. Many persons who appear to have a superiority complex are really covering up a feeling of incompetence. Agreed. Agreed. You, you don't need a Psych 101 for that. It, to, to see the biggest mouth on the boat is usually, or if not always, the worst. Talk. talk. Yes. The, yeah. Talking shit. Yes. The worst uh, guy. Where I, come, where I come from, we call that talking, talking shit. Oh, yeah. It's that, too. It's talking shit, man. Instructors should not engage in horseplay. An instructor whose air has been turned off may not be able to handle the student he's harassing. And, again, this is, this is where like, you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. And you, need, and you need to be properly trained by an instructor trainer who's able to teach you this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you, you don't screw around because – you're taking away everybody else's resources. So for to me to play a joke on you yeah. of taking away one of yours when you're counting on needing everything to help one of them when they make a mistake. Well, you're working, man. Th- yeah. that, right, that would be a <laughs> yeah. surefire way. And again, like as an instructor for yourself, you've got to be prepared that you may have made a mistake in your own gear. Oh, yeah. For so sure. you got to be ultra, ultra hyperly aware and on top of everything yeah if you've got some jackass dive master that likes to joke with like what like what are your like what are your equipment resources you know what do you have what do you truly have Mm -hmm. uh your your positioning has to be so much better than just a right taking a couple of students in the water uh your control has to be so much better your ability to interfere but not in a way that's going to take away from their ability to the control themselves right you need to be in that much control and three-dimensionally in the water column right that takes a, an amazing amount of buoyancy control balance maneuverability awareness awareness yeah yeah it's well, it's a it's a difficult task to to have an instructor that's got that ability yeah well and that's I mean, that's a talented diver that's why you know we we talk about hundred dives doesn't cut it. And I think you touched on something that kind of expl- explains how we got where we're at. When you make instructors out of 100 dive divers, okay, and then they go on to become instructor trainers as soon as they possibly can after being an instructor. They have extremely ding, ding, limited. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, yeah. So it just keeps passing on. So, I mean, you, you look at these instructors that do nothing but teach. The majority of their dives – 40 feet of water, pool, right? That's what they do. That's all they do all day long. And so they start churning out these numbers, right? They have tons of numbers. So they want to become an instructor trainer now because they can make more money at it. And, of course, uh, the the agency says, hell, yeah, we'll take your money, and we can always use you because you'll make more instructors. When you don't have the experience and you don't have the abilities and you've never been shown – what it should look like all you're going to keep doing is creating this what we have right now which is a lot of inexperienced instructors that can yes do what they've been taught which is turn out 
fast food divers, which, again, we go back to their fast food divers are prepared for 30 feet under direct supervision and handholding of a dive master. They're not really prepared for diving on their own. Students should be harassed only with stunts that they can have a good chance of successfully handling. Putting the above principles into practice can be done in many ways. And then he goes to list a, a couple of examples. But that's, uh, you know, that's knowing how, as an instructor, to incorporate, you know, what we call, you know, at, at UTD, critical skills. Yeah. Right? So on the dive, you know, okay, we're going to have a mask failure. Okay, on the dive, we're going to have an air share that we need to do. Or on, on this dive, we're going to have a valve failure that mm-hmm. you're going to need to determine. Is it fixable? Is it not fixable? Right? And then there's different levels of those, and there's combinations of those that mm-hmm. increase the complexity of it. Yeah. That's what you as a as an instructor need to be able to know is what he's saying there on that on that seventh point is the whole purpose of it is to build their confidence so they can handle this emergency in this environment at this level that you're going to give them a card to go do and go dive so you wouldn't expect them to handle an emergency at the open water recreational one recreational two level that you know somebody who's going through you know, cave trimix level right. training would be doing, right? The, the intensity is going to be way different at that level. And that's part of the instructor's qualifications. They know how to gauge that. They know how to measure that in their students as they progress. I mean, that's how they're, they're assessing their students, where they're at, what they can handle, what will allow them to grow, and what would be too much you wouldn't do. And, uh, you know, you take it accordingly. Yeah, and now uh, old C. Edward Pemberton Jr. goes through a couple of this, uh, a couple of these old 1972 harassment training protocols that they were having some instructors bring into the game. That's a pretty good name, C. Edward Pemberton Jr. It is a pretty good name. I, I want to be from now on. I want to be called B. Charles Schwartz Sr. <laughs> Not that I have a junior. Copy that. Or Esquire. Copy that. Okay. (laughs) He says, instruct a student to attempt to swim in a large circle from shallow to deep end and back. During this time, the instructor and assistant instructors will do a few or all of the following. One, turn off air. Two, pull face mask off. Three, pull regulator off. Four, wrap student in net. Five, wrap or hook hose on tank. Six, invert the diver. Seven, drop student's weight belt. Eight, release the sharks. Nine, nine, release the kraken. No, release the kraken. Release the kraken on this guy's ass. He's going down. Uh, He's got noogies too. Did you ever get the noogies? So so keep in mind, this is now. Keep in mind, this is in a pool that he's talking about doing this. And some of them, some of them are practical. Some of them are are silly. Some of them Mm -hmm. are holdovers from that old military military training, dive school training that aren't really practical for you know, you know, your mom and grandma and my grandma would have destroyed uncle. You know, taken taking a class that because they're going on a cruise and they're going to do one dive, you know, in Grand Cayman, you know, off the cruise ship. Totally not not practical for that level. But but some of them are. 
right? Do you remember that scene uh, in the you know, deep? Getting, uh, getting, uh, <laughs> getting uh, like a hose wrapped, like getting a hose hooked or wrapped on something yeah. uh, at an unexpected time. That is, that is not unlikely for a, for an open water. No, it's, face it's or, extremely or common. or a, a flooded mask that they weren't expecting to to get flooded. That is not an unlikely thing for a diver of that level to face. Now, getting their air shut off, uh, you know, might be a bit extreme for an open water diver swimming along the pool. You know, mm-hmm. when they're trained for a 30, 30 feet of water following the dive master, you know. But, but, aren't you that much better prepared or more confident when you dive if that has happened to you in the pool and you you handle it with, like no problem? You just went back and turned your gas back on. It's not that big of a deal, and it does build ah, confidence but, and they do, tremendously. Ah, and they do have that in the skill requirements yeah. for an open water class. Yes. Tur- right? Hey, turn on a tank valve. Mm-hmm. Now in there. Wow. 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 I know I know I haven't seen any of the newer requirements. Now now when you see how many people do that is they say, Okay, we're gonna go to the shallow end of the pool, stand up Mm -hmm. and have your buddy turn your air on. But if you're going to experience this, it's probably gonna be because you jumped in the water and didn't have your air on. That's exactly right. So it wouldn't it make more sense to do this in the water yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like not standing up in the shallow end. Yeah, I, ju- I mean, just think of the I mean, life. If it's going to happen, insane. that's how yeah. it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He says, upon completion of the exercise, the student should be critiqued and congratulated. If the student does not complete the test, he should be allowed to rest, and the instructor should encourage him to relax and not worry about the failure that he has just experienced. Even if the instructor feels the student does not have what it takes and wishes to discourage him from scuba diving, the instructor should still give the student a second chance. This will better serve the student to either dramatically demonstrate that diving is not for him or demonstrate that he has the capability of becoming a good diver. Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes you got to do something more than once. That's why you're in training. <laughs> That's why you're a human being. I mean, if, it, if it's that easy, why would we do it? It's just not, it's just not fun. Easy shit usually isn't rewarding. Yeah, and this is, I mean, th- this is really where the hard work comes in as the instructor is you, you have to do this in a way that you can challenge the student enough and then also orchestrate it in a way that there is going to be the potential for success. Like if you're doing it in a way that's going to just crush them and fail them every time, you're not organizing it very well. No. No, shame on you. Because, and that's probably because you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Agree. He says the harassment period should be described to the students early in the course of instruction as being an opportunity period for the student to show the instructor, the class, and himself that he has mastered the basic skills and the sport of scuba diving. You use that mastered word. Well, this is different than saying... Hey Brandon, clear your mask for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a little right, more. Get ready. Hang mastering. on. Hang on. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. Yeah. On the count of three, you know, t- get a couple, uh, you know, warm up breaths in, and you know, here, just just settle down on your knees for a minute. Get get relaxed. Okay, go ahead and clear. Yeah. It's different than somewhere on the course of your pool dives, 
you're going to have to clear your mask. Well, it's more realistic, number one. And this you know, reminds me of something. We, get, we had a comment from uh, Lance who uh, liked the show and everything. He's great, and I appreciate him commenting. And he, um, he didn't quite agree with our definition of mastery, like you can't achieve it. And I, 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 I think we're both on the same page. I think we were looking at it from different points of view. But what he did say is his definition of mastery was that you can accomplish a task you have you have achieved mastery in that task when you can accomplish it in basically any environment at any time in the dive. Okay, that that's how Which he is defined what, it. And doesn't that better prepare you for the, achieving yeah, that, that level was what of mastery? The point, yeah, yeah, that was what the point of what the harassment training was doing back here in the in the '70s. And what he's saying is, if you want to go to the open water, where we're going to be deeper. It's going to be colder. It's going to be darker. Like you need to demonstrate that, you know, you can be comfortable clearing your mask at any given time and not like panic and need to bolt for the surface. Like when you can show yourself that you can show me that you can show your classmates that then we move on. Not when you've done it three times in a controlled setting. And so you've, quote unquote, meeting this industry definition of mastery. Those are two very different things. Yeah, the the first definition is closer to reality. That's that to me is a much better definition of mastery, like like what Lance said, which is you can do it any in any environment at any time. You're able to accomplish this this simple task, this simple exercise, right? Yeah, and how do you think the person's? Go- I mean, this this is why we have the issue of. People, they show up to the quarry, they they jump into the water, they got their mask is over their hood, so it starts like flooding full of water. They freak out because it's cold, they can't see, they're, they don't know how deep they are because they, they've never been here before, and they they, they come up and they go, oh, that's my last dive, yeah, I see hate you diving. later. Diving is horrendous. Well, right, because now the reality of a mask clear is nothing like the way they've been trained. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I'm not on the. I'm not in five feet of water at the on the bottom of the pool, kneeling down. Uh, right. And and we said this before, like when we first started going into this, isn't the fact that we have to do open water dives in order to get the certification? Isn't that not the very first basic level of harassment. of harassment training? Like we're taking you out of this super happy, can't get hurt, comfortable pool world, and we're making you do it in real life. That's like like a level point five yes. of 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 harassment training. It's it's just pushing you outside of your your comfort zone it, rather than what they used to do. Many years ago, as you go through all the training, okay, here's your card. You didn't have to do any open waters. You just you did all the training, and away you go. And we realized, well, the people are not prepared for the open they water at all. And and we certified 200 people last year. Three of them still dive. Well, that's, that's not good. Thing. That's yeah. not good for long term numbers. I mean, that's the stuff we talk about all the time. We're not seeing the forest through the trees here in the, as an industry. That's all there is to it. It's yeah, you're you're making the initial first few bucks. You're you're missing the bigger picture of sharing the underwater world with people. You, for a lifetime. Right, for a lifetime. You're missing right. that. And and if if that was the focus, we'd be training a little bit differently. Right. It'd be it, it'd be more realistic training that better prepares them and 
gives them more competence, which gives them more confidence, which gives them more comfort underwater, which they enjoy the dive better. They enjoy the dive more, I should say. I'm trying to use my proper words. Use your words, Brando. Use your words. Okay, his last paragraph, he closes out by saying, Harassment is a vital part of any scuba course. Just as an infantryman will perform better having undergone battlefield indoctrination, and a pilot (laughs) will perform better having practiced stalls and engine failures, the scuba diver will be better trained to meet the emergencies of diving should they ever become a reality. Yeah, I don't know if the battlefield one is a good a good comparison, although it it, it is a semi-accurate one, but it's not I think it scares like, like I'm not going into battle. I just want to go look at fish, man. <laughs> but I, the pilot one's better because yeah, you're going to have engine failures. You're going to you're going to have, you know, downdrafts you run into. You're going to have issues with your aircraft. <laughs> you know, equipment issues. You things are going to happen, so you should be prepared and Learning while it's happening in a real-life situation isn't the best place to learn. That's because the consequences are pretty radical. Yeah, absolutely. And life-changing. And <laughs> I don't know. Harassment's kind of, I think the misnomer, just the name scares a lot of people off, right? I think if you... I think, I think you're right, yeah. especially uh, the younger people today. It's, uh, well, it's a buzzword Just right hearing... Now. Yeah, just hearing the word is uh, is stressful enough, you know. But if if you can go back in time, and, and we're reading an article from 1972, the word, you know, meant something different than it than it goes by today for the most part. Can we can we learn something from what old C. Edward Pemberton Jr. was was saying in this article, and does it make sense? I don't know. What do you think, people? What do you think, listeners of the Great Dive Podcast? Send us a message and uh, let us know. Should we, as an industry, revisit the thought of harassment training in a typical scuba class? Is this no way? How how could you dare think something like that? Well, where, what are your thoughts out there, people? No, I'm curious what people think. I'm curious what the general public thinks of of that. And again, I hope we explained it well enough that they understand when we say harassment, we do mean intensity training or giving the student a more realistic situation in which they can demonstrate that they do have the ability to remedy the issues that are thrown at them calmly. And, and, and what else it does is shows them, hey, this stuff works. What I've been taught really works. I can have some confidence in myself and in in my education that should the shit go south, I uh, I don't have to just bolt to the surface and you know do the Zeppelin immigrant song all the way up and uh, you know pray that I live. I don't have to do that. I can handle it. I can. And then move on in my dive. A lot of times you just handle yeah. it and keep diving. It does, it's not a dive ender. It's just a minor little inconvenience, a blip on your radar. Yeah. Now we learn how to solve our problems underwater. So, yeah, if you call it like we say, like intensity training. So we're going to turn up the heat a little bit on you. You learned how to do the skill. You, from the instructor's viewpoint, and this is where 
it's very important that the instructor's well-trained, just like you, you talk about. The instructor has to have their shit together. The instructor has to <laughs> be aware of where the student is in their training and, and kind of have a, a good idea of the psychological makeup of the student. I don't mean you got to break down their, their psyche. What I mean is you got to say, well, this guy you know, or this girl, they, uh, they're ready to take it up to the next step. Or we need to work with them a little bit longer so they have the skill down to where it's it's almost muscle memory. It's almost reflect, you know, uh, a reflex that they the mask gets knocked off. They put it on and boom. And we, we keep using yeah. the mask thing because it's a common one and it happens in real life and it's yeah. a big impetus to the the snowball of panic starting. Correct? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, I mean that that's the the big one. Yeah. So, I mean, we use that one, but you can apply it to a number of different skills, you know, from the buoyancy control to losing a fin strap. You know, uh, there's a, a number of a number of issues that can go on. SPG failures, uh, regulator failures, BCD inflation issues, getting tangled up in line issues, especially when you're working with a line, when you are blowing that marker bag, Right. Yeah, you, anything that you use underwater, you can have. <laughs> you're gonna have a potential to have problems yeah. with it, and and if you haven't trained having the problems with it, you're you're gonna be having a um, training on the fly. Really session. bad learning lesson <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the future. That's not gonna be ideal. So let, let's just do that part in the controlled time. Yeah. Instead. Yeah, I mean, when when do we get so soft? It's just you know. The thing, the thing, James, is I think the 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 intensity training would take more time, right? Because some people, a, th- as it stands right now, they aren't ready for intensity training out of the average class. Oh, let me make it very clear: yeah. they are not. No, right. I, I'm not saying that <laughs> with what t- a typical student receives out of a typical class, they are not even close. Mm-hmm to being ready yet for this type of training. So that would take more time. And then just the intensity training itself is an addition to the already lame classes, the already, you know, fast food approach to diving. So what happens, what we're getting at is the regular open water class would have to be extended. You would need more time Correct. underwater. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and that that means it costs more money to train people, which means you have to charge more money to train people. But you know, my thing is, people don't have a problem shelling out money for something of value. I mean that that's been proven. People will pay. You know this, James. They'll pay yeah, yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars for a dive experience. They'll you know just for the experience, a couple of dives. So why wouldn't they pay a fraction of that to prepare themselves accordingly to do those dives? Because uh, well, the guy down the road is going to give me the same card for 99 bucks. But you're not prepared. I mean, that's what we're trying to get at is you have the card, but you're not prepared. This, his card's got a gold back <laughs> to it, even. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're falling for marketing shit. That's all we're doing. We're falling for marketing and lawyers and, and ad men. All right, everybody, you tell us. What do you think? Should we revisit harassment training in the scuba world? Send us a message. Send us an email. Send us a story. We, we love those stories that we get oh, from people about, yes. uh, about their training experiences that really bring all this stuff to light. And uh, we are going to 
get into more of these training laws next week. All right, everybody. Good stuff, uh, Brando. I mean, uh, B. Charles Schwartz Sr., <laughs> would you like to sign in my logbook, please? I, I would, J.E. and Mott, the one and only. Uh, uh, hey, you cocksucker. You look, is that a beard you're wearing? Or you just uh, have your face buried in the dirt? Uh, hey, nice hat. You get a free bowl of soup with that? Hey, uh, dive safe. A dive safe. <laughs> Looks good on you. Brando, Brando, uh, why do you keep sticking pins <laughs> on this dive? What is going on? Down. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Safe diving, folks. One of these days when TGDP hits that big windfall, we can you know, have a full, full-time sound engineer. Yeah, we don't have, to, don't have to learn to speak properly into a microphone. I will say I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying learning this. I wish I had a coach with me, like a voice coach sitting next to me that could help me because I... Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Here, I'll be your, stop, I'll be stop your voice speaking. coach. <laughs> Here's lesson one. You, stop speaking. I kind of have that voice coach already, actually. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>